Welcome back to the Kenny Chester Podcast. I am your host, Kenny Chester, and I am so excited about today's episode. A longtime friend, but even longer time hero of mine, Pastor DJ Shoulders of Nashville, Tennessee. Pastors the First Apostolic Church here in Nashville. Also the leader, the chairman of the Associated Brotherhood of Christians. And one of the finest preachers you'll ever hear in your life is joining me today live in studio. I'm so excited to have him here. You're going to have a blast. Buckle up. Let's get to work. I don't know. It seems to me that he shouldn't be saying that. Well, what is it that you want him to say? Shut him down. All right, we're going to start today's episode, and without any further delay, sitting right across from me is my dear friend, and many have said the missing link in our family that joins me and my brother physically. Um, he looks like one of the guys. Uh, he also is a doppelganger of the uh, the legendary Stan Gleason <laughs> right across from me, Brother DJ Shoulders. How in the world are you, my friend? I've been doing great, and it's an honor to be on your amazing podcast, which I'm hearing great results about. Well, we've we've, we've had a good time, and we're just went over the year mark, and uh, we've had some great uh, episodes. And I'm looking forward to today's episode. There's a lot we need to talk about. And are you ready? Are you? I'm ready. Let's you ready? try it. Okay. Let's first, for many of you that are out there, the first time hearing the name DJ Shoulders, you uh, will understand that he is he is in the ministry, and so we cover an aspect on the podcast here. We talk about theology, and we talk about preaching a lot. And I want to talk about preaching with him. But I know a lot of preachers, and not many can do what DJ can do in a pulpit. He's so uh, intelligent, but his presentation is dynamic. We had him do a service for us just a couple months ago, and he just blew the place up. It was amazing. Faith was high. But there's another aspect of Brother Shoulders that I want to uh, get to today because I don't have that many authors. I've had a handful of authors on the uh, the podcast. You have written, what is it, three books now or four? Three books. Three books. And I, I've got all of these books. I enjoy these books. And it's just not, not because you're a friend of mine and a hero of mine. I really enjoy you writing on them. And so let's start with one of the books. Let's start right now with... Um, the book where you open up and you talk about um, some mental battles that you had. Uh, I think the book is ridiculous. Is that correct? And it is, is it probably your bestseller? Would you say that or the most sought after or? Yeah, it's easily the uh, bestseller. And I think it's probably because it's relevant to uh, a lot of the times that we're in. I believe that. And so I remember when you were talking about this book and working on it and the things that you were going to cover in the book, it's something that for a long time was unaddressed, I think, in our movement. I feel like we've done really good over the last uh, five, ten years of addressing this at conferences. They'll have panels and they'll bring in professionals to talk about it. Um, We just... To get us started, tell me about the premise of the book and why you felt led to write it. So one night, um, I'll never forget that night. It was at midnight. It was exactly midnight, and I was awakened. At that time, I'd only wrote, written one book, Transitioning Well, but I felt the Lord say, write a book, call it Ridiculous. All of this was dropped in my spirit quickly. Talk about ridiculous things people face and then God's ridiculous grace to bring them through. So I jotted that down, went back to sleep. Ten hours later, I get this text from a man 600 miles from here, and the text literally blew me. I was riding down the road uh, uh, in the passenger seat, and it literally almost blew me out of the car. It said, the Lord spoke to me that you're going to write a book. Oh, wow. And I thought, wow. But then it said, you're going to be required to live the pages. And it said, as you know, most number one songs are written out of pain and and different things. And this book that you're going to write is going to be living 
blueprints to help people through. So at the time you're thinking, man, that sounds great. Right. And you, in and your mind, you're just like, I hope I'm about to write a prosperity gospel yeah. book. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> let me live it. Double. <laughs> so at the time, and I won't lie to you, Kenny, immediately it's just like, uh, right then and there, I begin to walk a road that, um, now you want honesty. I'll give you honesty. I, I begin to walk a road that uh, I never understood. And at times, and I, and I say this, I've apologized that I've said things in the pulpit that were uh, said out of, um, uh, and this is not a bad word, said out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. You know, some of this stuff we used to say, fake it till you make it, right. or uh, you're too blessed to be depressed. Right. And, or, you and, know, you just need to go pray through. Yeah, you, you know? need to say hallelujah three times right. and call me in the morning. And then you start walking it, and it didn't take long of walking anxiety or studying it or fear or a panic attack or, and then the deep, uh, road of depression. But then you discovered real quick that Elijah, Jeremiah, some of the writings of David, Paul, some of their writings were, wow, I have missed that. Mm -hmm. Some of their deep anguish was, uh, probably this to some degree. No wonder the Bible speaks about fear not and don't be anxious and, and he'll turn your morning into dancing. And, and so I got to looking at Jesus didn't put his hands in his pocket after the resurrection. He showed him his scars. Right. So I began to preach on it, write about it. Altars started flooding. Oh, I bet. And then the other thing was the um, part of just being open and transparent of of uh, not having this whatever, fake it till you make it, that Elijah you know, got in that cave and he was so gut-wrenching in his words. David was too. Mm -hmm. Very um, honest, like a raw. Yeah, just so honest. And it's like stream of consciousness. What yeah. they felt, they put it to paper, and it's like, I might yeah. not have said that in, a, but yeah. in your position, David. But. You know, the same man that killed Goliath has a lot of, he's asking God, where are you at? And right. I, I soaked my bed with tears and how long is this going to last? And mm. and uh, on and on and on. And so I'd go to some churches and man, it was like altars would fill immediately. And I began to, to think, well, maybe the Lord trust me with this to not waste a testimony because a lot of people, and just because, you know, a lot of the things that we have heard growing up doesn't mean it was right. And that, you know, and I'm, I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about from, you know, don't let them see you sweat. Right. Well, Jesus sweat became his great drops of blood. blood. Right. And you're a minister. You can't let people see you. You never have a bad day. That's not true. Right. And I think when they saw it coming from a minister that opened them up to say, oh, wow, if he faced it. He's living to tell about it. He's got keys in it mm -hmm. and out of it. So I think it's what's really what uh, peculiar about your situation is that this ain't like a struggle on your way to the top as far as like ministry, like plateaus and the pinnacle of what you we define as ministry success. It happened to you in a season where you were very blessed. You had everything that a minister would want to have by terms of you had a beautiful family, you had a great church, you guys were building by faith. I mean, this amazing, amazing literal building, not just, I'm not know what church is beyond the four walls, but y'all's building is immaculate. It's gorgeous. And you're going through all this, you're having uh, ministry success, you're having organizational success, your peers, you know, look at you as this great leader. I think it's amazing that it's during those times. It seems like, man, when, when, if we were making a carnal assessment, like, okay, I can see why that guy's depressed, but why is DJ depressed? Correct. Yeah. And you know, DJ's fun. DJ's right. hangs out with Kenny Chester. He laughs. And <laughs> <laughs> the chapter, first chapter of the book was so fitting. And many have told me that the first chapter says, where did that come from? Right. And that's basically saying, la 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 la, I'm going on in life and boom. You know, for some, it's you have cancer. For mm. some, this, that, and the other. And for me, it was that. I'm like, 
I'm depressed. Is that really real? And so the stuff I used to say, I'm not sure it's real, became real. And and to open up about it and, and to let people know, you know, we were not told this, Kenny, the way we should have been. You can be saved and still battle depression. Absolutely. And, it, you know, Job's comforters uh, did really good for one week. <laughs> uh, but then they started saying there's no way a good man could suffer like this. Right. He's done something wrong. And that's when they got in trouble with God. Yeah. Even the disciples, when it came, it was like, okay, who sinned, this man or his parents? Right. Right. Is it generational? You know, why is he in this condition? And it's like, hey, look, this is for the glory of God. It has nothing to do with uh, performance. Yeah, and it's easy, and you know this as a preacher, it's so easy to preach about uh, Job and Paul and everybody else. It's harder to be that Job or Paul Absolutely. or modern-day uh, Elijah and says, oh, he was in a cave, but I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. But then you start seeing that, you know, there's plenty of people facing. Uh, I evangelized my first time in 95, and none of the stuff that I'm preaching in this book you ever heard mentioned mm-hmm. uh, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Anxiety, fear, depression right. to that point. Yeah. And now you can't deny it. It's on the stats with young people from adults to whatever. So, and I think it's God's way of saying, if I can heal the body, I can heal the mind. Oh, that's good. And I think, I think too, back, and I'm, I'm hearkening back to those times, you're a little bit older than me. In those times, I was growing up in the church. When those things were brought up, usually they were attached to like worldly living. It's like, come to God and be delivered from that. Never, you're living for God and you're experiencing that. I think a big eye-opening thing for us, uh, my circle of ministry friends, there was a legendary preacher and Bible teacher out of Arkansas, and I think this is late 90s, might have been, I'm not actually, I think it was mid-2000s, who uh, had to check in to a almost, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was some type of rehabilitation because he had clinical depression. He he was diagnosed, like it was some, there was like an imbalance in his mind. And I think at the time, he might have even been like a district superintendent. Yeah, which is legit. Right, yeah, exactly. And everybody was like, wow, if it, he could go down, you know, and it's not like he's not making it up. I mean, he's there in darkness and like they're, they're testing him because there was like a chem, like it actually was going on. No doubt. And so, but I think a lot of us got to look around. It's like, bro, what, he's better than us. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's strong. His mind is strong. Well, he's- I think when you go through something like I've been through and other people has been through something, you do start searching why, when, where, how. Mm-hmm. And I got looking and hearing that, and I'm not putting myself in this category, but some of the greatest men and women of God face some of the toughest times. Right. Like there were modern-day uh, prophets that prayed for people to be healed, but they were sick. Right. Or prayed for other people's kids, but their kids were sick. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people of faith. Oh, yeah. People that saw tumors fall off, but their family member had a tumor. But God still done amazing things. And so, you know, right after I started writing the book, I get this phone call. I was about three miles from where we're sitting. And I'll never forget that day. My phone rings. It's a preacher. And so I answered. He said, I've just come out of prayer. And uh, this is not the call you want to get. He said, and he knew nothing. He said, the Lord just showed me in prayer that he's about to strip you down to nothing. Good night. So that he can rebuild you into what he wants you to be. And so you're not like, that sounds wonderful. (laughs) Be it unto me, Lord. Be it unto me. Thy servant hear it. (laughs) And now I look back and I thought, oh, my, he was right. What I mean is this. it, Boy, this is. I hope this isn't isn't too harsh, but it's like you said everything was going good for me. And you were right. Marriage is good. All that stuff's good. Church is great, you know. But it it does strip you down to a total dependence Mm -hmm. 
of if it had not been for the Lord, where would I, you know, I couldn't get out of it. David said, you know, he brought me out of a horrible pit. He didn't say they did or programs did. And there's a place you can get where if you don't have God, you won't make it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we preach that to others. Right. But when you start living it as the preacher, it, right. I'll tell you what it did birth in me. And I'm not saying I didn't have it because I've always loved people. But I have a strong compassion like never before yeah. uh, for the people with mind, body, soul, and spirit. Right. There's people hurting on our pews that need somebody to tell them that if Jesus was touched with the feeling of their infirmities. Yeah. And sometimes we have to be touched. It's hard to sympathize with somebody if you've never been through it. Mm-hmm. I was uh, preaching this morning, and it's a scripture that I uh, I've preached uh, uh, not I wouldn't say a bunch of times, but it's, I've, I've touched it before. I know I've read it in the pulpit, and it jumped out at me, and it's uh, it's bringing back to my mind right now when you're talking about this. It was when Rebecca uh, was had conceived, and she had twins in her womb, and she she said, and I, I, I called attention to it because it was on the screen, and I, I kind of laughed, I, chuck, I chuckled, laughed out loud. I was like, this is kind of a it's the most vague but specific statement I've ever heard. He, she said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing. If it is so, why is it thus? <laughs> and it's the most vague. It's like, what is it? But, but anybody that's ever been like that and say, if this is God ordained, why is it like this? And that resonates because how many times, like you said, where did it come from? It's like, okay, if I'm doing the will of God, if, I, if it's so, God, why is it thus? So, why, the, why the conflict? So are you ready for this? Hit me. This We have not rehearsed this, by the way. No, no, not at all. Uh, oh, probably a year and a half ago, two years, maybe, right in the middle of all this stuff. Uh, I was going to preach. It was Saturday, and I was going to preach on Sunday. And so uh, I, my wife went to bed, and I said, I feel an urge to stay up and pray a minute. And I went in there to pray, and out of the blue, I've got my message for Sunday. Out of the blue, the Lord spoke to me. And said, here's what I want you to get up tomorrow and say in the pulpit. Get up and say these words. If it be so, why am I thus? Right. And I thought that. So I found the scripture. Yeah. I changed my message because I've learned to listen to that voice. Oh, yeah. And it is kind of weird. Not weird, but it's weird in a good way that since I've been through this trial, I'm more sensitive. It's like God's used me in different ways that I never dreamed. Mm -hmm. Even in the most intense pain, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. But I got up that day and I said, some of you are wondering. You know, and you just mentioned that yeah. if it be in the altars filled up. Right. You know, she's like, if you got, if I'm pregnant with promise here, yeah. what's the deal? If I'm in the will of God. Why the pain? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is going yeah. on? And yeah. I did, I mean, and that's wow that all, out of all the scriptures you just said that. And it just jumped off. we do. It jumped off the page. And I, I was talking about the birth order and, and firstborns versus second uh, uh, born children and, and that, uh, yeah, dichotomy in the Bible. How it, but it just, it just, it just jumped. I was like, it's such a vague statement. She don't even attach any feeling. She don't say why she's feeling what she's feeling. She's not even. But you know, in that situation, you know what that sounds like. You know, you know that cry. It's like, okay, if it's supposed to be like this, then why is it like this? You know, that's exactly right. So, okay, so I, I, I love the concept of this book. This is one of my favorite books that you read. I want to talk about your first book, not but not just the contents of it because I think the contents is great and it's something that is is needed to be discussed in the movement. It's about transitioning. It's about that that very critical time in which a pastor has to pass the baton on. And you and your father had such a great transition. Like people that looked at it marveled at how it just looked awesome. It's beautiful and it inspired confidence that it could be done right. But it's different now. Um, and, uh, and, and those of you that don't know uh, Pastor Shoulders personally, we lost Bishop. 
last year. Yes, sir. And so can you tell me a little bit about the book, but also what it means to you now that, that, that after the transition was complete and it looked like it was just God-ordained and God-timed, and now that, that the bishop has went on to be with the Lord. Uh, tell me about the book and how, how the transition went and what it's like now to pastor in, and not have that, that rock yeah. behind you. So transitioning well is easily the thinnest <laughs> of all the books. It's a tiny little book, uh, but it's written uh, from the heart with me and my dad. So dad was, um, dad was a legend in the fact the Bible said a good name is rather to be chosen. Dad had that. Mm-hmm. Dad was a preacher's friend, preacher's preacher. Uh, people called him, and it didn't matter what. Uh, apostolic organization, you know, dad just knew how to, he had good common sense with biblical sense. Mm -hmm. And when dad transitioned um, 18 years ago, dad's deal was, uh, and so dad had, dad's deal was not that I'm too old and can't do it, but the timing. And we write a chapter in the book called Timing is Everything. Mm -hmm. Because when you pass the baton in a, in the Olympics or relay, timing means everything. If you miss the timing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, one man said this, um, I think it was, I know it was, it was Brother Carney, the late Brother Carney. Mm-hmm. He said, it's not just when you're ready, it's when the next guy's ready. Oh, wow. That's a powerful statement. That is. But Dad's deal, people ask us, because, and, and I, this next comment bothers me, I think I see more, unfortunately, uh, horror stories or bad stories of transition than I do healthy ones. Right. And so people... Uh, I've had some people, I, I won't name names, but I've had some people that, that shocked me, well-known preachers, that read this book, applauded the book, they promoted the book, which not, we're not in it for promotion, mm-hmm. because people see the need for this. Dad's big, Dad's biggest deal was, and I love the first chapter we wrote. It's about God's king. Is it our kingdom or God's kingdom? So you know, I seen a tweet last night, Kenny, and I wish I could pull it up, but it said, "Are we trying to build a legacy, or, or is it kingdom?" Mm-hmm. You know, because some people think, "Well, it's." It's about legacy. Well, everybody wants to have a good legacy, mm-hmm. but it's not about you or me right? as much as it is God's church. right? And so, Dad, when he passed it to me, if you're going to hand a baton off, you can't drag the next guy or he can't drag you. Dad became my biggest cheerleader. That was the key. Dad became my biggest promoter. And I, I can say as a witness to that, when I would come and either be in service with you guys, either whatever I was doing, whatever capacity I was doing, a lot of times you would either teach or do something and standing to his feet, cheering. He was, and like you said, preacher's friend, every preacher. Every time I, I, I left feeling like a million bucks, Bishop made you feel like a million bucks. And I seen that evident when you were preaching and the heights that you were hitting and your dad just there. It's not, there's not, there wasn't one part of him that was, well, I wish we, this would have happened when I was here or when I had it. He was a huge supporter of what God was doing in your ministry and what the church was doing and growing under you. One of the things we mentioned in the book was there is no place for jealousy. It's as cruel as the grave. You know, Saul hath slain his thousands, but when he heard David had killed Mm 10,000, it was from that moment that his spirit changed. Right. And instead of saying, this is awesome, we're killing more enemies. He's like, I want to kill him. Right. And uh, a, a lot of times it's the facial expression. It's the, uh, Jealousy that sets in where people say, you know, it's, I got to have my old church back. And we're not talking about changing doctrine. We're talking about oh, this should be a beautiful thing that the person coming after us takes it higher. Mm-hmm. But yet we celebrate. It's kind of like the geese. When those geese are flying, one of them's leading and the other 
the other ones are honking their approval. Right. And and it's not it's a team thing. We're in this. If one of them falls, they'll go down and help their their fellow geeseman. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, and All I don't fellow honkies. <laughs> I don't know why this can't be in the kingdom. Right. You know, it's I'm not it's not about who can out preach who, who can out pastor who. Right. And so the last question would be um dad left a big void. Mm-hmm. You know, dad um what was his he gets a sinus infection every year he thought it was a sinus infection turns in it was covid pneumonia took his life 9 years later. Dad of course, if you had had to be there like I was with the family, it was a beautiful. Speaking of transition, right? He transitioned well to glory, and uh, I heard that story at the funeral, yeah. and I was in tears. I think oh, the whole was, church was literally in tears. unbelievable. Yeah, like, I couldn't. Yeah, it's like Dad was like, "How do how do you do this? You show us now how to can, die." <laughs> can you tell? And just briefly, you don't have to go through the whole thing, but can you tell that last message that they, that what he was saying? Um, uh, or I, you might have even played it. Yeah, so we, we went, you know, the dad didn't want to go on the vent, so we went to the hospital, and he's pulling off that big uh, uh, mask that's forcing oxygen 100% into his nose, so he'll take it off for like 10 seconds and tell us what to do. So his words to me were, keep the church going, then he'd get another breath. Then he said, make sure y'all pay my tithes. <laughs> So and then all the sisters and brothers uh, uh, get to see him. They act like he would die immediately. He didn't. He, he lived like a day and a half, though he was mostly out of it. So we went home. The phone rings. It's the hospital. We thought that's it. He passed. Mm-hmm. They told us to go home. We couldn't be on the COVID floor. So we went home, and it was the hospital. And I thought, well, here it is. It was Dad. He was so on the phone. He's barking out more instructions. And, <laughs> and at the very end, we're all in the living uh, in the dining room, and we're crying and. And uh, so we have a model here at church, love God, love people, serve the world. And uh, he's on the phone. He said, keep up with your motto, love God, love people. And and then he said it like this, serve one another. And then he just sits there and the air went silent. And then he said, farewell and hung the phone up. And we, of course we got to crying, but right. And we, we did, we played that at the funeral. It was like, it, it was like, uh, like I just told you, it was the ultimate transitioning yeah. well. Yeah. And so it's a big void for us because, first of all, God's our rock, but Dad was yeah, behind that because Dad was the kind that I called, my family called, the grandkids called, because mm-hmm. Dad had the sense of reasoning. He was not only a bishop, but he was like a big papa uh, to, you know, we've had more visitors here, Kenny, that would miss dad because dad can meet you and next week he'd still know your name was Kenny. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, you're talking about transitioning instead of dad fighting me. No, he's out in the audience helping me. Right. And I think that's the kingdom. I'm very blunt. And I just think is when we get into kingdom principles, we live kingdom living, right. which is that kingdom come, not mine. Mm-hmm. I and, heard somebody say one time it was so, uh, eye-opening for me when they talked about it. They said, when when you pray, thy kingdom come, implicit in that, you're also saying, my kingdom go. That's it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's you can't have both. You can't build your little kingdom no. and be little king over your little kingdom and have your little... If you say, thy kingdom come, you are, you are saying, I'm submitted to that will. If I'm not the guy, the, I'm going to support the other guy. Yeah, you know, and, what, and when you're done with me, I'm 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 gonna get out of the way, and that's hard. 
That's really, really hard. I didn't realize realize how hard it was for a lot of people. And I have to admit, I've had a lot of people, including father-son combos, that would say you have no idea what you had in your daddy. Mm-hmm. Because, I, you know what I'm saying, when you've always known something, I've never known what it was like to be bucked up against with uh, transition. Mm-hmm. So dad set the stage, told the church about it, did it right, planned me, prepared me in Carlowell. And when it was time, it was like this. As seamless as transition as you can get. But I think that comes by that kingdom mentality. I think so. And I think also, and I agree with everything that you say about your dad. So what I'm about to say is not speaking against that legacy because I I support and believe, and you know it well more than I do. But I'd also like to say that it it takes two. And you probably wouldn't say this about yourself, but I don't think your father, if he had to have the confidence and the faith and the trust to hand off God's kingdom. Yeah, I get that. And so you as well, to being able to that transition, that was that was a two-man game, and both of you were inspiring in how you conducted yourself. Y'all both were men of integrity, and one could trust the other. And it wasn't just because I've seen fathers distrust their sons with good reason. And and because they were uh, they were in it for the wrong reasons, or they were you know had selfish motives, but I think it was a testament to y'all both as men yeah. and men of God. I it appreciate was, that. You know, I taught this morning, and my, my teaching this morning was on. Uh, well, we're trying to go back to some stuff in January. It was on baptism. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Somebody got baptized. Awesome. You know, you get what you teach. Right. And 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 I even told them today. I said some of my teaching today is going to be on baptism. I said when I get done, you'll know about baptism, the how, wins, and where's and why's and. I said, but I'm also going to hit some other stuff pretty hard. And I did. I don't mean that mean. And my point was this, that nobody has a right when they get elevated to change the doctrine mm-hmm. or to change, you know, and, and that's what bothers me is when you see a a church that was established, built, uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. Because you have to admit, Kenny, a lot of things they dug out for us. Mm-hmm. And then to see somebody come in and tear it down, right? That bothers me as much. And Dad had to and trust me. It that, was in the minds of the apostles when they said, "Look, you, you're going to earnestly contend for what was delivered to you." We fought. You for got this, that right, right? You know, so it's it's time yeah. for you to fight for it like we fought for it's, it. It's even some ways, if we're honest, uh, in the United States, right? You know, the George Parsons and and those guys, Abraham Lincoln's, some of them would cringe today, right? At just core values yeah, the that prince- they. B- Bled for, right? Died for, literally. Yeah, you know, Abraham Lincoln not only presided over the war, but gave his life in the end for his ideals of what he thought. And so you look at those and say they earnestly contended for, and they delivered us a great nation, a great. I mean, are we perfect? No, but we are the most perfect. I think are the closest to perfect in the world. And so are we? Are we going to contend for those ideals? Are we going to be able to lose what they lost and give up what they gave off? Finally, I think one thing. The last thing I wanted to say was you feel, and I think you should. It's okay. You feel a little bit of the weight of, uh, I, I just turned 51, and you look around and think, because Dad was that elder voice. Mm-hmm. You know, Dad was 86 plus. He's been in ministry so many years. Dad was that voice that, you know, it, it's like you knew with Dad in the building. It was like E.F. Hutton. You know, if Dad took the mic, something great, mm-hmm. he, he didn't take it just to say it. Mm-hmm. And if you knew if something happened in church, Dad could, you know, Dad could, fix it or whatever. And so it feels weird a little bit now, me almost feeling like the elder statesman. Right. Taking on almost like a pastoral bishop type role. Well, that, I mentioned that, it before. Your stage of life. You're yeah. actually grandkids now. Grandkids. Like, and so you are the grandfather figure. 
and it's yeah, you hard. was going to say I'm old. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a it's the cycle of life. I look at yeah, it and, and say, it's came it's come upon me very quickly. Right, right. It's amazing though. But again, call back to the book. I feel like you're transitioning well. Like it, you don't look like a. You know, a, a fish out of water. Well, I told my wife a few weeks ago, I said, it feels weird. I said, it used to be I'm the one, and still do, uh, calling older preachers for advice. I said, now they're calling they're me. Calling and I thought, it's yeah. so weird how quick. I thought, this guy actually called me. Right. <laughs> wanting advice, and it feels weird because it, yeah. it's like I was evangelizing in my 20s two days ago. Yeah, I had a moment like that this weekend. I just I closed out a youth weekend at a church in Kentucky, and I'm recording this podcast on the way back through sitting here in Brother uh, Pastor Shoulder's office. And I had a moment where somebody was like, do you do you struggle? Like, I, there was a time in my ministry where I wasn't able to connect with young people anymore. And I look at you, and you're able to still connect with young And I got to thinking, I'm, I'm not the young guy that I used to be, you know? And it doesn't even register in my mind. So I started doing the math, and I'm like, man, this is... I've been doing youth services and youth rallies and youth conferences for close to 18 years. And like I'm like... When I started, I remember they'd bring old guys in to talk, and I'm like, hey, he's still doing good for an old guy. And then I had this revelation when that pastor asked me that this uh, this weekend. I was like, hey, I'm the old guy. <laughs> I'm the old guy they're bringing in. The nerds, they're still like, hey, he still can connect with young people. Unbelievably. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. I was telling a guy yesterday uh, about a youth conference I had preached one time, and I got to thinking, that was a long time ago. <laughs> right, right. It's unreal. Okay, we're, we're at the half yeah. hour mark. We like to shut it down here. Um, I, I want to spend more time with you, and we're going to see if we, what we can do today. Let me ask you one other thing I want you to speak on. Um, it's something we really didn't uh, get into yet, is that you're leading an organization through an incredible, incredibly difficult time. Let me ask you just, and you can uh, riff on this however you want, however you hear this, let me ask you this. What were lessons that you learned coming through the pandemic when it comes to organizational leadership? We have people that listen out there that lead churches, they lead businesses or lead that. What are some lessons that you learned through the the whole pandemic um, from an organizational standpoint? You were the, you were the, the chairman, and like, how did you guys, how did you manage and chart a path through really uncharted waters in our generation? Yeah, it kind of sounds, uh, not laughing. It's kind of like that book I was telling you, ridiculous. Where did that come from? Right. You know, COVID. The, when COVID hit, we were three days uh, from our annual missions conference. Mm-hmm. You know, flights had been oh, booked. Oh, that's right. That was back in March, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. In uh, 2020. 2020. Mm-hmm. We had missionaries already flew in from India. Right. I had hotels booked. So I'm in a staff meeting and, and it all breaks loose. And then from there, I think most of it, what I'm saying was, where did that come from? Most of it was, I seen was there was great uh, leadership that came out of people and some of them that didn't know what was in them. It came out people that didn't know anything about um, uh, online services quickly had to adapt. Mm -hmm. It stretched us. Obviously Uh, some of us were prepared. Some, were not as prepared. They then caught up quickly. But then I don't think nobody was totally prepared for the. It wasn't a one size fits all. So mm-hmm. I just tried to became. I just tried to become. Don't don't uh, lead in fear. Mm-hmm. Lead in common sense and faith. Yeah. We trust God. We listen. We gather info, and then go from there. And the biggest thing was, oh my God, is my church ever going to come back? What are we going to do with finances? Um, um, there were certain areas, I, I won't name certain of these areas, but certain areas in certain states uh, that were hit extremely hard. Oh, yeah. And to the point of about, if not closing their doors. Well, you look at a pastor that was going well. 
and kaboom. Right. He has nobody now. He don't. He don't feel like he has a, a ministry, and just trying to just be a listening ear and to help them. You know, it it almost. You know, I know. By the way, I'm a big fan of the. Uh, what do we call it? The first responders and the right. Yeah, medical, EMTs, Yeah, uh, like the, and emergency, the nurses yeah. and doctors. Look what they've been through. First, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. COVID has put nurses and doctors in a tough spot. Right. They're on the front lines. Front lines. Right. And what about front lines spiritually? Yeah. It's the same. A lot of times, people, and I know I am one, so I defend it. Pastors were a lot of times uh, not, you know, they didn't have all the answers. Well, they couldn't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew how to perfectly right. navigate this. So yeah. we all did the best we can. I don't think nobody got it right or wrong or whatever. I just think we did the best we could. But a lot of that was basically me, in my opinion, trying to keep people's faith built up. Right. That you're doing a good job. Keep it up. Do the best you can. I remember one of the things that you guys did, and I thought y'all did very well. Y'all seemed like y'all were tagging in with your people, and it could be a, you was playing the piano and singing songs. Y'all did old songs, and you would share like devotionals and prayers and stuff. I thought that was amazing because it not only was it, it wasn't so polished that it looked like somebody was like watching a video. I've seen churches do so good, it almost looks like it's a TV show or a movie. And there's nothing wrong with high quality stuff, but I loved how it was like you were in the living room at the shoulders place and it was like a family. Yeah. That's the, what I felt. Well, probably, and not that I'm after this, but probably the most popular one was, uh, I called dad one night and right. I said, meet me at the church. And Kenny, we, uh, we set up right here in this little hallway, mm-hmm. uh, under a picture and dad starts singing all the songs about the blood and it just exploded. Right. Right. And, uh, my dad don't, my, and I said this at the funeral dad, and this is not a lie. Dad's never sent an email or a text. Neither has he received one. He don't know how. He didn't know how. Right. But he did not realize how many people he was reaching, really, uh, through just an encouraging word. And, you know, here we are again, still a little bit. It's it's attack people's faith. Right. You know, I, I, I say these words sometimes, and I feel like we're still a little bit under what I call faith fatigue. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith? I feel like that's what's been the the core for spiritual. Yes, COVID's real. Yes, COVID is no fun. But at the same time, it's been weary on a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's weird. There's a connection between the physical and the things you go through and how it can affect people yeah. spiritually. I mean, a lot of churches have closed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. God, man, we had, a we had, and I'm not saying this because we did it right. We probably made a lot of decisions that was wrong, but for some reason, we were able to have revival and pick up some families during all that time. Absolutely. And, and like I said, I'm not saying we're putting on, we're not on a pedestal, but man, there was churches that were better, in my opinion, had better systems with us or than us and had bigger crowds at us that did not fare very well. And it's like, it's, it's like you said, I don't think anybody had the right answers. I think we did the best we can. And I think what's, what needs to be stressed coming out, I feel like we're on the off ramp of the pandemic. I know there's a lot of people sick, but I feel like we're, we're kind of getting to a place where we have to get back to normal. I think it's important to treat your brothers and sisters with a little humility and grace. They didn't do it like you did. That's okay. They didn't, you know, they might have did, you know, your brother didn't have less faith because he didn't have church that service that you did. And you didn't. Well, I want to speak to that real quick. So uh, in my in my deal with, uh, you know, Badlin, when I wrote the book about Ridiculous, you know, I, I talked to a certified counselor. You would know who this person is. They're top notch. Mm-hmm. And one of their comments was, and this this could be used by anybody, that the, whether it's uh, anything, chemical, emotional, spiritual, physical, the devil jumps on any bandwagon. Right. Right? Right. So he has done that with COVID. Mm-hmm. So some of it's taken the wrong way and been politicized, or you got somebody that gets mad at another one over something that 
should not be mad about it right. at all. You know, we're all in this together. And I want to say this. I don't think this will get me in trouble. But sometimes people, the words we say, they're great. Mm-hmm. I love them. But be careful. And here's one of them. You know, somebody over here in their churches, they've died from COVID. But God's been good to our church. Nobody's died. That doesn't mean no. God's not been good to those yeah. to those people right. or that they've done something wrong or handled it wrong. Right. It's just they had a person or two. And God, in some cases, 10 or 15 Absolutely. Pe- people die. It really doesn't, and I, I, if you're listening to this, it doesn't mean you had better faith Mm-mm. because your church didn't lose somebody. Right. It just meant it didn't happen. Yeah, and it's not God's judgment on that church no. or an indictment on that, you know. Well, if I said that, then I would think my dad died out of God's judgment. Right. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was dad's time to go. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that's where the devil jumps on the bandwagon and gets people instead of, you know, Johnny James and T.F. Tenney. The main things keep the main thing the main thing. Right. The devil's tried to get us off the main thing yeah. to make it either politicized or something else that it's not. He'll use any issue to further try to any drive issue. a wedge. Sure. Right? And to get you distracted. It could be something spiritual. It could be points of doctrine for thousands of years we've divided over doctrine. To and get so, you distracted. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think um, we're, we're at 37 minutes. Yeah. Before we uh, sign out on this episode, let me ask, where can people go and order your materials? It's re- really easy. It's ridiculous.media. Okay. And all three books are on there. It's a simple deal where you click, it adds the couple bucks shipping i get the email i give it to my secretary which is me (laughs) (laughs) i get you a little package yeah i go to the mailbox by myself awesome and i mail it so ridiculous dot media okay and so we'll link that into this uh the this episode description uh depending on what platform you listen on you'd either be able to click on it i think it's on spotify they use the the hyperlinks you can click on it if you are listening to another service or whatever you can just copy and paste but we'll get that in there i recommend all these books i think ridiculous is a great book especially if you are dealing with some of the things that pastor has mentioned today pastor shoulders i cannot thank you enough for being on the kenny chester podcast all of you all my listeners out there thank you for listening and we'll be back in sometime this week God bless. You've been listening to the Kenny Chester Podcast. Please consider subscribing and leaving a review. 